Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of our friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Having some fun this weekend. Um, we did watch a movie on Friday, we I did. think. That's on how we, Friday? Yeah, yeah, that's how we started. Mm, and then the rest of the weekend was pretty chill. Saturday was cleaning day, and it was like... Mm. One of those where it was just like, I have to get this done. It only took me like two hours, but still it was you. You like feel non-stop. like you had to get it done. Yes. Gotcha. No, I, I know how those cleaning days are. I have them every once in a while here myself. Where Do you, you have just a cleaning like, day playlist? Um, Kind of, kind of. All it, right. It's not like specifically <laughs> for that, but I do use like a, the same playlist for it. And it's mostly like a, a, it's almost like an across all time type of playlist, but it's all oh. like fun music. Okay, okay. Uh, so like it spans 70s, 80s, 90s, but like fun, upbeat tracks. So I always go with Latino music. Uh, like yes. It's always like salsa, merengue, uh, reggaeton. Like that all sounds of, about right. It's like high energy um, music. Yeah. Oh, I, I grew up with. Those Saturday mornings where, yes. you know, you're like, you hear the music and you you're like, oh, music, no, like, no, it's why? <laughs> it's Saturday. I want to yes. sleep in, but no, nope, yes. got to wake up early. Got to yep. clean. Uh, so, yeah, my weekend was spent with some busy work. But then on Sunday, went with my sister to the parks, went to Hollywood oh, nice. Studios. Uh, since that's my she favorite w- park. Oh, that's my favorite <laughs> park as well. Uh, we got to get we were able to get on Rise of the Resistance. Oh, okay. Great ride, great favorite, ride. Yeah, favorite. This is fantastic. <laughs> uh, actually, later this week they're gonna start a queue, a regular queue for a that regular ride. line yes. instead of the what is it boarding groups? Yes, because they're like revamping their entire system. So Fast Pass is not gonna exist. It's gonna be like mm-hmm. this new Lightning or whatever it is. So they're getting ready for that. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's not going to be great. <laughs> for people who uh, have experienced Disney World with FastPass, it's no longer going to be free. So, <laughs> yeah, that's going to suck yeah, for most sucks. people. Uh, <laughs> for but the yeah. casual, you know, Disney goer, like it, we were. <laughs> right, exactly, like us, pretty much. Uh, from this weekend, I noticed uh, box office-wise that... Shang-Chi still doing great. Holding strong. And it is on pace to be the number one movie of the year at the box office. Like oh. it, it's already past uh, Fast 9. And it is just about to pass Black Widow, which is currently the number one movie of the year with $183 million. Uh So it's, it's going to blow right past that one. So it's been really good for Shang-Chi here in the month of September, but for nothing else. Everything else... <laughs> Is single digits. Yeah, it blitzed everything else. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> Including mess. this movie that we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> yes, including this movie. So before we get started in talking about that movie, if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And go ahead and leave us a five-star review if you want to because four stars doesn't really do it for us. So if you're going to do that, Go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. 
Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. So today we are going to talk about the brand new film, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, this is a movie that stars an Academy Award winning, no, actually Academy Award nominated actress, not winning. Mm-hmm. She's still looking for that she's, Oscar. This is, uh, you know, yeah, looking this, for it. Yeah, she's it's definitely searching. gunning for it for here. Yeah. But uh, So why don't you tell us a little bit more about the movie, who directed and who starred in it? Okay, so IMDb synopsis reads, an intimate look at the extraordinary rise, fall, and redemption of televangelist Tammy Faye Baker? Backer? It's yeah, Baker, it's Baker, right? Yeah, it's okay, Baker. It's, got it's two spelled K's, with though. two Ks. Yeah, it's so yeah. weird. Okay, it was directed by Michael Showalter. Did I say that right? Lord. Yeah, Showalter. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Showalter. And he directed The Big Sick, The Lovebirds, and he wrote Wet Hot American Summer from 2001. Yes. So pretty cool resume. It was written by Abe Sylvia, Fenton Bailey, and Randy Barbato. It is based on the documentary of the same name, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And you mentioned Oscar nominee. It is helmed by Jessica Chastain playing Tammy Faye, Andrew Garfield playing Jim Baker, De- Vincent D'Onofrio. Yep, D'Onofrio. Yeah. D'Onofrio plays Jerry Falwell, and Cherry Jones plays Rachel, Tammy's mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. So those are the main players in this movie. So we did mention uh, box office, uh, not a strong showing at all. Uh, $675,000 it made over this weekend, which is, I think it was like seventh or eighth place. That's it, dismal. It was just pretty dismal. Um, the audience and the critics were somewhat tepid on it. Uh if you look at the Rotten Tomatoes score, 67% from the critics, 78% from audience. So mm-hmm. the critical consensus is that the eyes of Tammy Faye might have focused more sharply on its subject story, but Jessica Chastain's starring performance makes it hard to look away. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's going to be the driving force of this conversation is Chastain's performance. Correct. And so I wanted to ask you, what did you think of her performance and the movie in general? Well, I came into it cold. I had seen maybe one trailer and was kind of confused because it seemed like it was about televangelists. But then I'd never heard of these people before. Oh, you had never heard of Tammy Faye. I had never heard of Tammy Faye. Or the Bakers. Wow. Or the Bakers. Well, so, to be fair, it is a little bit before our time because their heyday was in the 70s and in uh-huh. the 80s, and the scandal that hit them didn't happen until the late 80s. So right. you and I, I was born in 87, you're in the early 90s, so mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit before our time. So, so and uh, we grew up Christian and we are Christian, so it's kind of close to home, like the whole tele-evangelist uh, thing, because I think it is a thing um but Uh, yeah the movie itself is extremely daunting and uncomfortable to watch in places but ultimately it's uncomfortable because i understand the culture like you understand the culture as well and 
the vernacular that they're using and, you know, the feelings that they have, you you get it, you understand it's it's, you know, your life too, so to speak. But then you also see where they break from, you know, Christianity in general and go through this manipulative, uh, false, selfish um, phase in their lives and it ultimately like leads to their ruin. <laughs> so it's hard to watch in that respect. And, you know, I would almost say like trigger warning for anyone who grew up in this in this way close to um, um, event. Not evangelism, but uh, televangelism or not even televangelism, but just like if you were a Christian kid, like beware, because this kind of feels like it might rub you the wrong way or, you know, might have you feel in some type of way. But Jessica Chastain's performance is amazing. Bar none. One of the best things I've seen her in. She's like unrecognizable through yes. most of the movie. She's got the Minnesota accent. Oh, Minnesota. (laughs) Just really Uh, working that. Really working that in. It's, uh, you know, the prosthetics that they put on her. It's just very impressive. It's a flashy performance from her. So that's why I feel like it is searching for that Oscar. It was released during Oscar bait season. The very early beginning. Very early. You know, all these film festivals are starting to ramp up. Mm -hmm. I think it premiered at toronto or uh-huh, at venice uh-huh. i'm not sure which one but yeah this is where it starts the gears start turning for the gears start oscars. turning for oscars and i can totally see that this is one of those that might get some attention although it is really early um i felt like andrew garfield you could just like leave him it was fine it, like it's a decent performance but it's not anything yeah. memorable there was moments where i felt like oh i'm i'm watching andrew garfield right Right. He didn't disappear for me. Yes, I agree completely. I feel like Vincent D'Onofrio, he's such an underrated actor. I feel like he's on par with like Gary Oldman or something mm. where he really doesn't do anything wrong. Like anything that he's in, you're like, wow. And you kind of forget that it's Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. He's, so he's a person like who that. definitely dis- disappears in roles mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And even yeah. though like you see him on screen and he doesn't have too much screen time in this movie. But mm-hmm. even in this role, like you, you feel like like a presence to him mm-hmm. that that yeah. kind of overtakes any scene that he's in. Right. So, yeah, uh, I really want to echo your statements about growing up as a Christian and still I am Christian. But growing up watching a lot of these televangelists, we uh, mentioned you know, some after we, we left the movie. We definitely we were like, did. Oh, like Benny Hinn, Benny Hinn, Joyce Myers, yeah, was Rod Parsley, uh, John Hagee. There's uh, there's a lot of names that we mm-hmm. grew up with, um, and then of course it's it's the Crouches, the ones who own TBN, right? Uh, so that's the Trinity Broadcast Network. So this is this came after what we saw in the movie which was the other Christian network at the time Mm -hmm. that was big during the 70s and 80s uh, that was started by the Bakers. Um, And yeah, a trigger warning because there's a lot of the verbiage that is used is things that we heard and we saw growing up watching this, you know, type of television when Mm -hmm. we were growing up. It it was on a lot in our house uh, because my mom would just throw on the channel and just leave it on, you know, in the house yeah. just mm-hmm. to have it on. So, you know, you would 
go by the television and you would see televangelists using a lot of the same rhetoric about pledges and donations and, you know, the, the prosperity and making gospel. these broad statements like mm. yeah, exactly the prosperity gospel yeah and making it seem that you know for everything that you give and as as believers you and i we we do have a belief of giving and mm-hmm. but the way that it is treated by in this movie and by the bakers in real life and by other televangelists who have had scandal um it ha- has been treated as a way of, hey, the more you give, the more you will be blessed by God. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that you will be a fortunate person here on earth if you are giving with what you have. Mm-hmm. And it, so yeah, it was a little tough to it's watch. Tough. Because, and then they walk this line, you know, of like, well, they, they're very sincere and they feel strongly uh, that this, this certain way like yes the prosperity gospel and then you also see that they're just taking it way too far like that's not first of all that's not true like right. and then you know they're actively manipulating people on air to give more money to them and their their causes so and then they're embezzling money from like these people who like don't know so it's just it's sad i found it very sad um and, and I think the movie, well, I should say the critics consensus is right in that it does focus on the overall story versus really funneling it through Jessica Chastain's Tammy Faye. And like they kind of frame it through her, but then at the same time, they like don't. No, I agree because you think this is a portrait about Tammy Faye. Mm. That's what you think the movie is going to be. But the movie is more... Through the eyes of Tammy Faye, I think is a better way of phrasing Mm -hmm. what the movie is, is what she sees. It's how she sees her life being, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily actually putting a critical eye on her, Mm. more just like, oh, this is how she viewed her her life. Exactly. And it makes it tough to look at it as is this a real account of what happened? I mean, a lot of it is publicized through newspapers and through journalism and stuff, but the behind the scenes stuff, is this actually what was publicized? Like, is this real stuff or is this just a perspective of Tammy Faye Baker's when it was released in documentary form first Mm. and now it's released as a movie. There's a, there's a thought, right. Running through your head that this is biased as well. Yeah, it, it kind of does because I don't think there's ever a it moment. It paints her in a very good light at yes, the end of the day. It does because there's never a moment where you feel like she's the bad guy at all. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. she has a, like, personally, I don't believe that she could not have known that there was an embezzling going right. on. And yes. the movie kind of treats it as if she didn't clueless. really know, clueless yeah. about it. And. The movie also makes slight references about Jim Baker not only being an embezzler, but also possibly having, you know, relations with a man. But it, again, it, it's not it doesn't go into it at all. Mm-hmm. It's just slight hint. But then it just diverts your attention away from it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, there's even a redeeming quality 
to Tammy. Yes. With the way it treats her at the end of the movie. And it it's very strange to see because these are people who are not viewed very well outside of the Christian community. Just but because then it's of the- also it's also an indictment of like the establishment as well with the Jerry Falwell character and all of his posse and what he does to make them crash and burn as well. Yes. Uh, all of it is these behind the scenes dealings in what we would like to call the cronies of the church. Mm-hmm. I would I would call them because right. these are like the big wigs of who we're talking about. Pat Robertson, Jerry Falwell, Jim Baker. Like these are the people who dominated like the Christian landscape of the Mm. 70s and 80s and even into the 90s. And they kind of brought that negative stereotype to the Christian community because Mm -hmm. of their dealings, because of things that happened. Um, Not to make accusations towards like Robertson or Falwell, although they have had things uh, publicized about them in newspapers. But in this subject, Jim Baker, Jim Baker totally deserves everything that he did because (laughs) he was a complete embezzler. He distorted the Bible Mm -hmm. to his own will and to getting more money. That's it. Like to get more money. And and in the context of the movie, he also did that to his wife. Yeah. Also did that to his wife. Was also um, exploiting his wife on television to get more money, to get more calls and pledges. Yeah. It, it it was very sad to see, like, the lengths that a person or people will go to to manipulate each other into just getting more money, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we get into spoilers, like, to really, like, nitty-gritty, anything else that you wanted <laughs> to mention? Uh, not really. Okay. Then we'll just go ahead and we are going to talk spoilers for The Eyes of Tammy Faye right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's go ahead and talk spoilers for The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Uh, So I would say that the movie really harps on Tammy Faye's relationships, Uh, the relationship with her mother. Her mother is very old school Christian, like to the point that, you know, divorce is an issue. I would argue that that's the best part of a movie is her interactions with her mother and trying even when she's a child up through when she's an adult and you know working with her husband at I don't know what what the thing I keep forgetting the name I'll find it out right now though but you know she's basically come into money and fame as a televangelist and still her mother is not approving of her and so that whole arc with her and her mother and the mother kind of being the voice of reason in her life and 
although she is cold and although she is not accepting of her, she's also got a good head on her shoulders and sees right through Jim Baker, like from day one. So I like that relationship a lot because it makes Tammy Faye seem very naive and um what's the word and enamorada like is it in spanish like oh i i know what you're saying like uh, she was um i would say she was very blinded by love yeah blinded by love like she was constantly looking for like a loving relationship at all times like she is a type of person who would easily like be enamored with someone really fast and yeah you know just think the world of them and want to move into a relationship with it's them definitely right away. a give a giver in the relationship yes and that's how she gets got <laughs> yeah that's exactly um so real quick the ptl club or the ptl network which was praise the lord network ptl network and yeah. their show the 700 club which is still running today yeah because they helped start the 700 club with pat robertson and then pat took over mm-hmm. and so when pat took over they moved on and created their own network the mm-hmm. ptl network they created a theme park uh heritage usa uh, so, yeah, they they had some stuff uh, back in the 80s. They did so much. <laughs> so, yeah, so her relationship with her mom is definitely the part that you really get the most out of mm-hmm. what the movie is trying to say. Like there was definitely juice there. There was because it, I think it's fair to say that the relationship between the two of them, uh, the mother, Rachel, is constantly always looking at the wrong that she's either doing or the wrong that maybe that Tammy Faye is thinking. And she's always there to correct Tammy. And she doesn't show affection to her. Mm-hmm. She's she's very cold in that way. But she's always looking out at least for the best of what she should be doing or the intention should be clear. Of what she, she does have doing. good intentions, and I like that about the mother is that she's not malicious, like on no. purpose at the very least. The beginning intro sequence with her as a child and like looking in at the uh, like little neighborhood little church. church, yeah, and not being allowed to go to service with her brothers and sisters and her mother and stepfather because her mother's divorced and she's a child of the the. A divorcee father so she's like you know the black sheep of the family right she is seen as like a product of sin exactly and where she go to where she to go to service to go to that church she would somehow damn all of her brothers and sisters to hell yeah, it, it which is it all sad. sorts of wrong. Yeah, to- totally wrong. All sorts of wrong. But I appreciated that the mother was not like this screaming, wailing, emotional mess. She was very matter of fact, very practical. And at the dinner table, she's telling her this like nonchalantly, like, would you want to damn all of your brothers and sisters to hell? And it makes her cry. Like it's such a when you give the concept of eternity to a child let alone the concept of hell and have it 
be their fault. They are to blame for something that has not happened yet and possibly will never happen is unbelievable and also kind of real. Like, I don't know, as a Christian kid growing up, you are at this these kind of dinner tables, not like with this twisted concept of heaven and hell and like divorcee kids are not going to go to heaven, like none of that. But on the same level of, you know, we are talking about, um, you know, eternity and these concepts that are in the Bible and healing and faith and all this stuff, really heavy concepts. But the mother, I felt like, it was so telling when she said like stop pretending or something stop acting yeah stop acting. when she was crying mm-hmm. so right there it feels like there is a complex that has grown for, out of that interaction where tammy faye feels like her true feelings are a show mm. yeah and it kind of manifests itself in the way she presents herself to the world. Exactly. Because she is always trying to entertain mm-hmm. the people that are watching her. So whether it's early on in their career where she's doing puppets, mm-hmm. you know, for ministry, whether she's singing and, mm-hmm. you know, and while she's singing, she's like in very elaborate costuming pretty much as the way that I would come up with it. And also Makeup. It mm-hmm. it was a very, very, very famous thing of her makeup. Right. Was such a talking point for people, not just in the Christian community, but even outside. Like people, you know, in the secular world would comment on the way she looked because mm-hmm. it was so out there. It was so extravagant. Mm-hmm. It was so mm-hmm. over the top. It, it, people would and say. And I do, I want to pause here and say that, like, the way that she presented herself felt a lot like um dolly parton oh yes who is a contemporary i feel of hers and was on the up and up in the country music scene doing the same thing dressing a little more provocatively had this crazy hourglass figure and was seen as kind of like a tramp by a lot of people and there's these crazy interviews that you can watch now on youtube of people questioning Dolly Parton on her choices, on her makeup, on her wigs, on her clothes, on her boobs, like everything. And it's not fair. I feel like that is a huge double standard for women because, you know, even though men are dressing like very conventionally, suit and tie, but they are not getting the flack that women get. Not by a long shot. No. And so I felt very um, sympathetic and empathetic toward her Tammy Faye in that respect because there's really no reason because like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for what? what Why? You You know, Um, there's always been an attack of women, their looks, the way they present themselves. Uh, You know, are you showing too much? Are you showing too little? Are you prude? Are you scandalous it, it's stupid uh and it's degrading to mm-hmm. a lot of these women because they get the same questions over and over again about their appearance and it's ridiculous and yeah they are contemporaries they're only well tammy faye passed away in 2007 but they were contemporaries in terms of age they were only a couple of years apart uh in age 
So, yeah, they kind of came up at the same time in similar fashion in terms of Mm. extravagance and, you know, being a little over the top, if you, Mm -hmm. and I put that in quotation marks, uh, because of the fact (laughs) that. Not by today's standards. (laughs) Not by today's standards, but by like the standards that they were living in. So like Dolly Parton in country music was seen as, whoa, uh, a -hmm. trendsetter. And then the same thing with Tammy Faye, like she was seen as, whoa, she is over the top for an evangelist, for a Christian person. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, And that comes up in the movie where she's at Bible college living her life and she gets berated by the professor because she's wearing makeup and not even as much makeup as she was actually known for. No. Later in her life. Like it was just like almost like a natural look on her face. But... Still, it was too much. And I feel like her makeup was definitely a rebellion against the establishment. It it felt like it. Also, like part of her identity is like she liked it. She felt good in the makeup. She like, like, fine. Give That's her thing. Leave it to her. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it was also part of her identity. And also, I feel like a little bit of not performative but almost like armor Mm, okay where you know she can put on this face of makeup and hide behind this full face of makeup hide her her Mm -hmm. realness like Mm -hmm. what's going on inside right uh another thing that tammy vey was known for was uh you know talking about taboo subjects it, it, for the church, taboo mm-hmm. subjects for the church. So, like, while she was hosting her show, like the PTL Club, uh, they they show it in the movie. There's like one episode where they do about like basically like penis enhancers, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And then there was like another one where she's talking to a gay man, a homosexual mm-hmm. man who has. Well, he's AIDS. also yes, he was like dying of AIDS. Yeah. And that was controversial for the church because of the fact that there are stances against, um, you know, LGBTQ and also because sex is a taboo subject in the church a lot of the time. Because I this is a personal thing, but like when when I was growing up, church made it like don't you know, don't engage with women or girls in that way you know you have to be pure you have to be whatever and then you know you're expected to marry this person and then you're kind of on your own you're like well now you're you're a man now you're you know you got to do your thing you got to absolutely accomplish what you well i don't know what i'm doing right right right. because the church doesn't set you up for it doesn't prepare you to live that life of man and woman and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know anything with sex it was just like oh we can't talk about that oh what if i have these thoughts and uh, and it's like just repress them repress them yes don't talk about them (laughs) and then once you're married okay go and be with your wife and it's like i don't know what to do here you know and 100 percent. so the fact that she would talk about stuff like this right is you know such a big deal at the time Right. Or even the fact that the movie portrayed her as like this sexual being who like was um, with giving her husband a hand job and um, was 
during Bible During school, Bible college, he was like making out with they were Andrew basically Garfield. Dry humping each other. Dry humping much. on the twin size bed. <laughs> like, you know, it was it was kind of like refreshing because she felt like real. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because I mean, yes, anybody can be a sexual person. You know, right. it's it's not like Oh, we have to, you know, be like this and there's only one way we can have sex and blah, 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 blah <laughs> as a Christian, you know? Right. And I uh, I really kind of liked how the movie circled back on her being a sexual person when Andrew Garfield's character, Jim Baker, starts to not have sex with her for months on end. And she calls her mother and says, look, he doesn't touch me anymore, all this stuff. And she's feeling she needs this therapy. She needs someone to talk to. She needs someone to vent, someone to give her sound advice. And her mom's like, well, it's up to the wife to to make sure that her husband are, is satisfied. Or right, something exactly. Like that. That it's basically her fault. It's her fault. It's yeah. her fault. She's not doing enough, really, right. is, is what the mom is kind of saying. Yeah. And that that is sad because you know... It's That's not, not really the case. It's a lie from the devil. <laughs> that is, the devil is a lie. <laughs> and so, and then we see it even further in the movie when she's, she's pregnant. So obviously her and Jim Baker have had relations to have a baby, but she still is feeling that coldness from Jim. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. not affectionate after a certain amount of time. Like he stopped well, being Well, he's downright mean to her. Like yeah. the scene where she's like, what is she doing? She's like lathering up. She's putting lotion all over herself. Yes. And he's like, oh, you, I don't, I don't remember what he did, but he dissed her. Yeah. Basically the smell of the lotion. The smell of the lotion. And you wonder and why she, I don't. And you wonder why I don't touch you or something like that. And yeah, and then, so that was sad. Which was super sad. But then she's also, he's like having almost like a breakdown in like the family office that's in their Mm -hmm. room. Yes. And he's getting calls left and right. He doesn't know what to do. He's like ruffling papers and having this little moment. Like he's having a little bitch fit there. Mm -hmm. And she's like, okay, well, do you want to talk some more instead of like us having sex? And he was like, no. And he like freaks out right there instead of actually accepting her her help like her go-to reactions are correct to me yeah because obviously she she wants to be with her husband but she wants to be helpful she wants to be there for him and if they weren't gonna have sex at night then it makes sense that she would be like okay well let's talk about your problems some more and he was like no no (laughs) i don't and so he leaves the room to like go attend to business in another room and this all this culminates to when tammy faye is pregnant like she gets affection from someone else and so she does uh I guess cheat on her husband. It it doesn't go all the way to sex, but like mm-hmm. it gets really close. Right. And because she feels affection from someone else who is not yeah. her husband, like her, her husband let her down in that situation. But then the husband reverses it. And he did an like, Uno reverse on her yes. and started guilt tripping her so dirty when to she the, was. Yeah, to the point where, like, he fires the guy, sends him back to Nashville, wherever he came from. He's, like, a music producer. And she is left alone again in the relationship and is not allowed an out, you know, a release. And, and now on, she has a child. And on top <laughs> of that, child. he uses that 
to manipulate the viewers into donating more money for their cause of what she did so they can get therapy, so they can work through this situation. And honestly, it all felt like the reconciliation between them was just so that he can get her to go on the air and spill her guts. Yeah. Everything was built towards that cause. So like in the movie, we see that. We see a moment where the two of them are standing in front of all these newspaper clippings about them. Like, you know, the press, they're out to get us. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we need help because we are short right now. There's so many things we need to do. So consider doubling your pledges to stop this attack from the devil and like you know manipulating people using religious rhetoric to get people to believe them yeah even when the concerns are completely valid yes the concerns are valid where is all this money going right why (laughs) are they so much in debt you know Mm -hmm. all these things why is the network like bank going bankrupt right exactly and so but they are receiving millions upon millions of dollars every year. So where is the money going? So mm-hmm. it's legitimate, the the cause for concern. Uh, was there a part in the movie that uh, you really, really enjoyed? Like maybe a certain moment or or maybe the opposite. Maybe that there's a moment where you just felt like, oh, I don't I don't really like this at all. This moment. Anything that so... kind of comes to mind. Um, I was kind of hoping for a bigger blowout when Jerry, I'm sorry, not Jerry, Jim Baker finally tells her that he also had an affair right after she had her affair. Yeah. Or almost affair. And that, you know, he's stolen all this money and that he's guilty and that they're going to lose everything. Mm, I see. So that conversation i felt like it was like oh this is supposed to be that scene that they play at the oscars right the the big blow up like yes. the the marriage story yes. blow up type of yeah thing. yeah and it wasn't it was kind of subdued mm-hmm. and that's something that i was wishing was it was good but not like great you know <laughs> i see what you're saying i wonder if it was because they were trying to tap into the nature of how these people presented themselves and that it would not become that extreme of a fight between these two people the way you know they presented themselves in the world maybe that's why it was a little more subdued mm-hmm. because like jim baker was never like a yeller in any time. Like he was like a very, you know, soft spoken type of figure. And then Tammy Faye is just like the life of a party type of thing. So maybe that's why they handled it that way. Could maybe. be. Maybe they did have like people show up at the house like directly after. That's true. That's also true. But I don't know. It just felt like it should have been a little bit more explosive. A scene that I really enjoyed was way earlier in the movie when she was um she had like one kid at this point and it was still the child was still a baby and they went to this pool party at the it was Robertson's 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 house house, yeah or estate I should say yeah and she is not taken seriously and the boys all sit down at this table away from all the women away from all the children and start talking business, start talking, you know, strategy almost. Yeah. 
And she's like, okay, and sees that they're having this deep conversation away from everyone and decides to give Jim Baker the baby, insert herself, drag a freaking chair over, and join the boys club. Yeah. And I found that super profound. And that's literally still the case for women nowadays is that you find yourself like looking on the outside in and you're like, how the hell did I get out of like the room where it happens essentially? Exactly. And so, and how do I get into the room where it happens? And the only way it seems is that not by invitation, but more by force. Yeah. You drag a, a chair and to the table. And you freaking see how uncomfortable they are. Mm-hmm. How uh, Jim Baker, her own husband, is like, uh, you know, Tammy, do you mind? Like, whatever. And trying to tell her that she's unwelcome here. Right. This is not that the place he, for her. That he doesn't want to be holding his child right now. And it's it's ridiculous. You know, it's almost like just something very fabricated for the movie because it is so outrageous. Right. It is. And even like her delivery, because she's laughing and being as jovial as she could be while she's inserting herself so that they don't see it as a threat. Right, exactly. Because if she comes in, you know, as pissed as she probably is, then they would never allow her at the table. No, they would never do it. But because she came in like, oh, ha, 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 like trying to play nice. And 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 making small jokes at her own expense, like then they were like, oh, okay," and like kind of let her in. And then on top of that, don't don't even forget like these puritanical views of, oh, my God, you know, the man has this role and the woman has this role. Mm -hmm. And it's all based on the way they frame, you know, the Bible, the way they Mm -hmm. frame it. So. They, yeah, I liked that whole bit. And then even the conversation that she has in the bathroom with Jim Baker, mm-hmm. her husband, where he's like, you know, you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. And she says, my calling is just as important as your calling. Mm-hmm. And I deserve to be on TV just as much as you deserve to be on TV. And it's very, you know, incendiary a little bit. Right. Where it's like the even in. um you know, in today's church culture with pastors, the pastor's wife is always just seen as the pastor's wife versus her having her own ministry, having her own calling, being a preacher in her own right, so on and so forth. Down the line, because she could have what, you know, as unique a calling as anyone else. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, because she's linked up with a pastor, another preacher, he's seen as the person that gets invited to to churches and conventions and all that crap. Right. You know what? He's top billing. Exactly. And, and she's like fighting for the right to be top billing along with her husband. Right. So that's why like someone like Joyce Meyer is like a, a big deal in right. the Christian community among women, especially because of the fact that she is the pastor of her own church. She has mm-hmm. her own ministry. She She's able to be a headliner and i'm using that word because uh you used it obviously but also because that's how a lot of these big preachers are seen as like people flock to see them like Mm. when they go to speak somewhere Mm -hmm. so the fact that she's able to do it and tammy faye was an instigation for more women to be able to go and be seen as 
actual preachers and mm-hmm. carry ministries. Yeah. Something that wasn't really seen before that. So mm-hmm. she she was someone that really pushed that forward. One thing I will say about the movie, though, that I, I didn't really like only because it felt so formulaic mm. in the way it presents its biopic. It, right. It's very like by the numbers, like, OK, we're going to see them at the very beginning. We're going to see <laughs> how they met. We're going to get the scene of the rise, you know, where mm-hmm. everything's going mm-hmm. great. Then we're going to get a montage of how everything starts going bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does have a prescription addiction. So we're going to mm-hmm. get that moment where she the crash and fall. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it wraps up with uh, a bad moment. And then at the end, we get the credits with the real life people and what <laughs> yes. they are up to now. So yes. it's very formulaic in that way. Uh, I agree. Doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy, you know, the thing, the pit stops along the way. Like mm-hmm. the different parts of the story that I enjoy. The mother-daughter relationship I thought was really good. I would have liked to see a little bit more of her relationship with her kids, Tammy Faye. Yes, I feel like that was definitely missing. Because we only get one moment where we see like the daughter, like probably around like nine or ten years old. And like they're like trying on jackets, coats coats and stuff. So we only get that one moment, but we don't get to see how she's different from her mom. Which I think mm. would have been a nice way. That would have been, yes. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. this is how my mom treated me. This is how I'm going to treat you. Is it going to be the same? I is it going to be different? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so I would have liked to see that a little more. But And at the same time, the movie doesn't feel critical enough of Tammy's role mm-hmm. in everything that happened with PTL. Because I don't think she is the... Saint. The saint that this movie kind of, you know, portrays her as. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The movie does. Uh, there is one more moment that I want to talk about kind of before we get out of here. And it's right. it's basically the the final moment, the final scene in the movie, which she is invited to Oral Roberts University. This is Jerry Falwell oh, School. <laughs> yes. This is okay. Jerry Falwell School. This is after... Pretty much Falwell kind of screws them after yes. the entire scandal happens. He kind of just like really like, you know, drives he the bus the over them. Yes. So drives the bus over them. Yes. He really does. So finally, after years, you know, uh, Jim is still in jail. She's on her own, Tammy. So she gets invited to sing at Oral Roberts University. And so... She comes back and the crowd is the crowd is a little cold to her when she mm-hmm. comes back and then she starts singing and the movie kind of treats it as if, OK, here is what's really happening. But here is what's happening. It's in the her A Star head. is Born ending. It really is like this is what's happening. This is what's happening in her head. And what's happening in her head is she's on a stage and she has a choir that shows up out of nowhere behind her. There's a giant choir behind her. All dressed in pink. And a legit lighting production behind her. Mm -hmm. Then an American flag drops down. Oh my God. So first of all, I was making comments throughout the whole movie. Yeah, you were. I was very vocal. That our next door neighbors, our next neighbors sitting right next to us kept looking and laughing because you were just 
hitting like all these different <laughs> moments. It was great. But the point when the flag dropped down in her twisted vision in her that she had in her head of what was going on, I literally like put my hands up as if I was like getting held up at gunpoint and was like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> because it just it was so jarring there was no reason for the american flag to drop down this was not a patriotic song no it was um what song was she singing do you remember anyway glory glory hallelujah glory glory hallelujah (laughs) and it was the way she was singing it or sorry the rendition that was actually happening in real life was this small quiet piano solo and then her singing and there was no, there was none of this like giant show behind her exactly so i don't first of all it was crazy to watch the juxtaposition between the two whether that's what she wanted to be performing as or if that's what she was just envisioning as her performance the the fact that she was like even doing that it just made me think she's not well maybe could be or maybe she feels that she is coming back to that time in her life when she was that big and and she she could be reliving her glory days Mm -hmm. it could be that uh so i don't know what the symbolism of it it truly is because again like you said it's not a patriotic song but (laughs) Like the American flag unfurls. There are balloons that drop out of nowhere at a certain point. But at the same time, we see the juxtaposed reality where it's like a very stark stage of her by herself. And we see the crowd reaction and there's barely a head nod of going along. They start warming up, but it takes a second. It takes a hot second. Yeah. And I, I, I wanted to say are you know who are these people are these like presbyterians or something because like, <laughs> this is a cold group <laughs> dang you're dragging the oral roberts crowd you know they're not southern baptists <laughs> no um there was no like you know warmth no, for her performance not at all. um or even support really like they were did they were they given the tickets free? Like I'm confused. Yeah, <laughs> like, I had no idea why it was such. It, it felt awkward tension. between the two, like the performer and the audience. It was mm-hmm. it was strange. Yeah. So, uh, that kind of puts a bow on the actual movie itself. Uh, Jessica Chastain, can she get nominated for this? I think she can. I think she can. Uh, so we'll although s- it is a pretty stacked season because we had the hot mess that was 2020 no movies came out pretty much and then now we're getting all the movies at the same time yeah so i think she has a shot but it's anyone's guess there could be another few performances that knock her out of the running you know make people forget about tammy faye (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's true because i don't know if this is a movie that will be able to like have a long lasting impression on people. You know what I compare this to in a way 
would be a little bit like a couple of years ago, Judy. Oh, with Renee I was Zellweger. thinking that too. Well, when we were watching the movie, I was like, this reminds me of Judy. Of Judy. <laughs> yeah. Another, a, a legendary female artist, if you want to call artist, Tammy Faye as well. But going through the cycle of just looking at their life, someone who is mm-hmm. older in age, you know, yeah. an over-the-top performance by an actor uh, portraying that person. But I think she won. Didn't Renee Zellweger did. win? She did win. That, oh. that That's the thing. And so maybe she has mm-hmm. a shot, I would say. And again, like you said. I feel like she's an Oscar favorite as well. So right now, and this is just reading from IndieWire, they're doing like predictions as to who possibly could be in the front running. And so front runners right now, they're saying Jessica Chastain, the eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. Uh, then they have a couple of other contenders like Kate Blanchett, Sandra Bullock. Apparently they got movies coming out later this year. Oh, okay. so. I was like, when? I never saw them. <laughs> oh, no, no. They're com- they, we still got years, or the rest of this year, because we're only in September still. Yeah. October yeah. is going to be loaded. November is going to be loaded. Uh, like, even Kirsten Dunst apparently has, like, a big role. Kirsten that, Dunst? Yes. That got premiered at uh, the Toronto Film Festival. And apparently people are raving about her performance. So... She could be the one that finally gets an Oscar nomination. Uh, It's for a movie called The Power of the Dog. It's her, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, and a couple of other people. Yeah. So, yeah. So that could be the one that gets her. So it could be stacked. Who knows? I thought Judy was pretty forgettable, though. I thought so, too. And you can go back, scroll back in your podcast feed, I believe, and listen to our official review of Judy back when it came out. But we weren't that jazzed about that whole movie, let alone her performance. No, exactly. I don't think that performance is all that great. I th- I thought it was fine. Um, and it's definitely Renee Zellweger going for it, for sure. Like, <laughs> it, it's not subtle at all. No. So, <laughs> so, so we'll see. But again, there's going to be... A big race. I think there'll be a fight this year. Like oh. there's gonna be a serious run for some for some Oscars this year. So it's gonna be exciting to see what happens there. Uh any last thoughts before we get out of here on the eyes of Tammy Faye? No. <laughs> no. No. Just the way you said that. No. Um uh, yeah. I think uh, we're pretty much done with this movie. Next week, we have Dear Evan Hansen. (laughs) And so uh, that episode, if you're listening right now on your podcast feed, uh, that episode will actually be coming out a little bit earlier than usual because we have already seen Dear Evan Hansen. We, We saw a screening of it early on. So you'll get our thoughts pretty much the day that it opens. So if you watch opening weekend, you can listen to us talk about this movie, which I have thoughts. Do you have thoughts, Jessica? I'm pretty sure you have thoughts. This is going to be an interesting episode. I'm sure of it. Oh, I believe it's totally going to be a very, uh, I don't know about contentious, but 
It, yeah. No, I think it's going to be contentious. You think so? I have a good feeling. Yep. Or a bad feeling. <laughs> All right, then uh, we'll find that out soon. So before we get out of here, though, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, if you did enjoy this episode, thank you for checking us out. We really appreciate it. Go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Spotify, Google, we're on all of them. Leave a five-star review. That goes a long way for us because we are trying to become Rotten Tomatoes approved critics. So why not help us out by giving us five-star review on Apple Podcasts? On top of that, you can find out all of our latest episodes and more about our show through our social media at Always Critic Pod. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. Finally, last thing. If you really enjoy us, if you really want to help us out, show your support, go ahead and check out patreon.com slash always critic pod. You could go ahead and uh, you could go ahead and support us uh, for as little as two dollars a month. Uh, you can help us grow the show. We have other projects that we are interested in doing. So the more support you can show us, the better we can make our product. So with all that said, that has been our show. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica, and this has been the Always the Critic Podcast.